here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Lots to cover tonight. Hope you'll stay with us. Most of it, most of it, all of it is compelling. Very compelling. The Manafort case wound up. Uh, But I want to discuss specifically pulling the security clearance for John Brennan. The question I have is how did John Brennan ever become a CIA director? How did he ever become a CIA director? Now, we've talked at length about John Brennan in 1976 or 1980 or both. He voted for Gus Hall for president. Gus Hall was the boss of the Communist Party USA for decades. He and the CPUSA were funded in part by the Soviets. Now this was at the height of the Cold War Brennan votes for. The CPUSA was committed to overthrowing the United States. I am asking you how anybody with that kind of temperament and judgment or lack thereof could be CIA director. He was old enough to know better. It was the height of the Cold War, and he votes for the Stalinist, Gus Hall. And he's proud of it. He's proud of it. Brennan has yet to answer for his role in spreading the Hillary Clinton DNC Russia dossier that began the phony Russia collusion investigation against President Trump in the first place. And he apparently used Harry Reid and maybe other Democrats to spread the dossier to the public and press it with the FBI. Does that sound like the proper conduct of a CIA director in the middle of a campaign? Brennan doesn't need a security clearance to defame and smear the President of the United States on left-wing news shows. He's saying his First Amendment rights and his right to free speech are suppressed. And of course, the ranking Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee, Mark Warner, runs to his defense and says these are Nixon tactics with enemies lists. How bizarre. If you're the ranking Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee, shouldn't you be worried about this? But I guess not, because at one point, Dianne Feinstein was the chairwoman of the Senate Intelligence Committee And she's been playing footsie with the communist Chinese for decades, as has her husband, Bloom. And, of course, as we now know, her longtime staffer and driver of two decades was a communist Chinese spy. What kind of clearance does she have? Top level of the FBI. Look at the top level of the FBI. It's wiped out. The top level of the FBI is wiped out due to All kinds of misconduct. We've never seen anything like this in our country. James Comey was fired. 
And whether Rosenstein backtracks or not, it was on his recommendation, at least in part. Comey was a leaker. He removed government documents when he left office. McCabe is under criminal investigation for leaks and cover-ups. He was condemned by the Inspector General of the Department of Justice. Peter Stroke was just fired for his misconduct and political attacks on the president while the top counter-espionage investigator at the FBI. James Clapper lied to Senator Ron Wyden, left-wing kook Democrat of Oregon, about the NSA's eavesdropping program on the American citizenry. That's perjury. And he was later forced to apologize. But I want to remind you about something else with John Brennan. John Brennan lied when he publicly insisted that the CIA had not illegally accessed the computers of Senate Intelligence Committee staff. The CIA accessed the computers of Senate Intelligence Committee staff, Mr. Warner. He publicly denied it. He denied it to Congress. He said it would be outrageous if the CIA did it, knowing all along that they did do it. And he was later forced to apologize, an apology of sorts, to Senate Intelligence Committee senators. Can you imagine what a loose cannon this man is? What a disaster he is. The issue isn't why his security clearance has been pulled. The issue is why he ever had a security clearance in the first place. Now, the media, of course, come to Mr. Brennan's defense, which suggests to me that he's a leaker. Now, I don't know this firsthand, but they defend him. If Mr. Brennan had been a Republican doing these things, they would have compared him to J. Edgar Hoover. But not now. No. Now he's the greatest CIA director we ever had. He is a nasty man. He's a loose cannon. He's unstable with the things that he says about Trump. He doesn't need a security clearance to be a kook. Now, Sarah Huckabee Sanders at the White House briefing today announced the decision to yank John Brennan's clearance. And by the way, a clearance is a privilege. It's not a right. It doesn't come with your retirement pension when you're in the federal government. I don't know why they leave office with it anyway. Why does John Brennan need a security clearance? Here's Sarah Huckabee Sanders today. Cut one, go. I'd like to begin by reading a statement from the president. As the head of the executive branch and commander-in-chief, I have a unique constitutional responsibility to protect the nation's classified information, including by controlling access to it. Today, in fulfilling that responsibility, I've decided to revoke the security clearance of John Brennan, former director of the Central Intelligence Agency. Historically, former heads of intelligence and law enforcement agencies have been allowed to retain access to classified information after their government service so that they can consult with their successors regarding matters about which they may have special insights and as a professional courtesy. Neither of these justifications supports Mr. Brennan's continued access to classified information. 
First, at this point in my administration, any benefits that senior officials might glean from consultations with Mr. Brennan are now outweighed by the risks posed by his erratic conduct and behavior. Second, that conduct and behavior has tested and far exceeded the limits of any professional courtesy that may have been due to him. Mr. Brennan has a history that calls into question his objectivity and credibility. Exactly. And that's thoroughly correct. Absolutely correct. She said more. Cut to go. Such access is particularly inappropriate when former officials have transitioned into highly partisan positions and seek to use real or perceived access to sensitive information to validate their political attacks. Any access granted to our nation's secrets should be in furtherance of national, not personal interest. For this reason, I've also begun to review the more general question of the access to classified information by government officials. As part of this review, I'm evaluating action with respect to the following individuals. James Clapper, James Comey, Michael Hayden, Sally Yates, Susan Rice, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and Bruce Orr. Security clearances for those who still have them may be revoked, and those who have already lost their security clearance may not be able to have it reinstated. Outstanding. There may be more, by the way. We haven't gotten to the bottom of everything at the FBI and the DOJ. These people don't deserve security clearances. They've been sleezing around, snaking around in the shadows, playing politics, partisan politics. And some of them who've gone public have made outrageous statements. Outrageous statements. And I might add, that served the purposes of the Russians and served the purposes of the Chinese and the North Koreans and the Iranians and others as they try to undermine the commander-in-chief. Now, they're free to do these things. Don't get me wrong. They're free to say whatever they want. But they don't have a right to a security clearance when they leave the government. And the president gets to decide that anyway. It's not as if the president is pardoning a bunch of terrorists like Bill Clinton did with a Puerto Rican terrorist. Remember that? No, 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 no. Or giving a pardon to a... uh, a tax fraudster, billionaire, like Mark Rich. No, no, he's not doing any of that. He's just saying, you know what? I revoke this privilege. Just because Obama gave it to you doesn't mean I have to continue to tolerate this. And he's right. It's not an enemy's list. They're still free to speak. Nothing's being done to them. They can go out and peddle their skills, whatever that might mean. But immediately, the media jump into action. Immediately. Oh, my Lord, this is Nixonian. Oh, we have enemies lists. Oh, you're just doing this to get back at people. You notice how the media love these people because the media have been working with them, you see. The media, as a collective, is such a fraud in this country. Oh, we defend free speech. You don't defend free speech. Nobody's attacking free speech. You can yap all you want. These corporations that own these media outlets, nobody's threatening them. They are using free speech to advance an agenda, and they're being called out on it. Now, what did the media types have to say at the press conference today at the White House? When we come back, you get to hear some of it. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
John Carl, ABC News. All these guys and gals are so predictable and so dim-witted. Here's a question for Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Cut three, go. It seems like everybody that you mentioned has been a political critic of the president. You see going after his political opponents with this? No, if there were others that weren't uh, that we deemed necessary, we would certainly take a look and review those as well. Now, the president is reacting to the conduct of these individuals. Men and women who've had the highest security clearances, access to the most important secrets in this country, who've turned their former positions into political positions where they go in public and attack the commander-in-chief. They are free to attack the commander-in-chief. They're free to say everything they've been saying. It's not a First Amendment or free speech issue. They are not free to have security clearances. That's a privilege. That is a privilege. The issue for me when it comes to John Brennan, as I've said before, is how the hell did this guy get a security clearance in the first place? How do you vote for a Soviet communist, a Stalinist in this country, and get a security clearance to run the CIA? Every one of these individuals has a reason to lose the privilege of a security clearance having been retired or forced from office. Comey, leakers who take government documents ought not get a security clearance or retain it. McCabe, under criminal investigation for leaks and cover-ups and lying, he's condemned by the inspector general. He ought not be able to retain his security clearance. Peter Stroke speaks for himself. He shouldn't be able to retain his security clearance. James Clapper lied about the massive NSA eavesdropping program under oath, which is perjury. He was never charged. He was forced to apologize. Why should he retain? Why would he keep it in the first place? Bruce Orr, Sally Yates. And by the way, we still haven't gotten to this unmasking issue. We still don't know who did what. We still don't know who did what. There is no reason any of these people should retain their security clearance. Politics aside, we're talking about their conduct. We're talking about their behavior. We're talking about what they've become since they've left office, and some of them, while they were in office. Jeff Mason, whoever the hell that is, at the White House briefing today. Here he is. Cut four. Go. How is this announcement by the president, how can Americans not interpret that as a getting back against his critics? And isn't it also an attempt to curtail their free freedom of speech by penalizing them for being critical on television? Once again, how does this penalize their freedom of speech unless we all get security clearances? Do we all have a right to a security clearance? Is it a right? And again, I would ask these reporters, are you not familiar with what Comey did? Are you not familiar that McCabe is under criminal investigation? Are you not familiar that Peter Stroke was just fired for misconduct? Are you not familiar about James Clapper's perjury? Are you not familiar with any of this? Why are you saying the president going after his political opponents? Maybe they're his political opponents, maybe they're not. But they've all conducted themselves in ways that of course they shouldn't retain the highest classification of... uh, and access to uh, security information. 
This is preposterous. Go ahead. All the president has a constitutional responsibility to protect classified information and who has access to it. Um, and that's what he's doing is fulfilling that responsibility in this action. This is actually um, specific to uh, Mr. Brennan and the others are currently under review. Is this the kind of precedent he wants to set for future presidents when his administration is out of office? And why are there no Republicans on that list? Well, hold on, hold hold, 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 hold on a second. Mr. Producer, isn't Comey a Republican? Did he not say why are there no Republicans on this list? There's at least one Republican on the list, but that doesn't matter. You see how the media come to the defense of the miscreants and the malcontents. Because they hate Trump, no matter what he does. These people are losing their security clearances post-employment because of their conduct. Comey was fired, and among those who recommended it was Rosenstein. He was a leaker, and he absconded with government documents. McCabe is under criminal investigation. Stroke was fired for his dishonesty and his bias. And I can go on and on. So the question for Mr. Mason is, why do you pretend to be a reporter? Why are you such a hack? I'll be right back. And show the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now. 877-381-3811. You know, today's one of those rare days when essentially the audio speak for its for them for itself. I mean, it's just incredible. So John Brennan is on CNN today. Isn't that who employs him, Mr. Producer? He's on CNN. What's that? Does his first interview with CNN with somebody named Brooke Baldwin. And true to form with the CNN hosts in the negative IQ category. Nobody's as low as Brian Stelter, but that's quite a low bar. Here's John Brennan on CNN Today. Cut five, go. Do you think this is a total stunt? Now that that is a pressing journalistic question. We call that a leading question, and then we flop a question mark after it. This is a total stunt. Now, then you change your... Do you think this is a total stunt? Wow, she's clever. Go ahead. Do you think this is a total stunt? Well, yeah, I do. I I, I mean, uh, it it seems they're kind of making up the criterion as they go here. Uh, on, on a base, you know, on a, a very individual. Uh, uh, By the basis. way, let's stop. This sounds to me like Clapper, not Brennan. But go ahead. And as Jim uh, discussed, uh, to the extent that we have anything to offer, it has more to do with uh, our past experience, not uh, insight and access to a current intelligence. At least for my part, I haven't had any uh, uh, access occurred to intelligence since I left. The government on the 20th of January of Actually, you haven't had any intelligence for decades, uh, Mr. Clapper. That sounds like Clapper to me, Rich. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, so uh, it's a stunt. Then what are they worried about? It's just a stunt. The guy says, I don't even need my clearance because I don't get information. I just give advice. Well, then. And your advice is what? To lie to Congress under oath? Uh, let us continue with cut six. Go ahead. 
the larger issue here to me has throughout has been infringement on First Amendment rights. And so here's my question. How do you become director of national intelligence like James Jimmy Clapper and not have any comprehension of what the First Amendment says? Nobody's interfering with Mr. Clapper's free speech rights. He's on CNN. He's talking right now. Is anybody stopping him? No. You don't have a right to a security clearance. I had to give mine up when I left the Reagan administration. I had a top security clearance. I was chief of staff to the Attorney General of the United States. I knew who we were wiretapping in most instances. I knew everything. Well, not everything. Everything I was told. Some of the FISA warrants. Some of the uh, probation uh, uh, parole requests. That is pardoning uh, requests. Some of the ongoing intelligence investigations involving the FBI and so on. You don't get to walk out the door and say, you know what, I want to keep my, uh, my, uh, my uh, classification and so forth. Nobody stopped me from talking. I don't have it. Anyone stop you folks from talking? No. So this just shows you how imbecilic this guy is. Go ahead. People ought to think seriously about that. How do you mean specifically on First Amendment rights when it comes to security clearances? Infringement of, of our, our our right to speak. No, no, no. Uh, you don't. You can speak. Who's stopping you from being stupid? Nobody. You can speak all you want. Brennan can make an ass of himself all he wants. Nobody stopped Comey out there. He's running around. He even has a security clearance that needs to be pulled. The man's a liar. He's a leaker. And he absconded with government documents. You can't get a security clearance and keep one for sure, especially when you're out of the government, when you conduct yourself this way. We're talking here about conduct. Conduct. Go ahead. Uh, uh, apparently, the uh, appropriateness of uh, being critical of this president, mm-hmm. uh, which in one degree or another, all, all of us uh, have been. I thought the mention of... Now, let's of, stop it. There's a lot of people who are critical of this president. A lot of people who are critical of this president. They all don't have security clearances, so there's no First Amendment issue here. Go ahead. I mean, Andy, Andy and McCabe who don't have their clearances anymore. It was sort of a, a cover for naming them in the first place, which was a non sequitur since they didn't have, they, at the time they were first mentioned, didn't have their clearances then. And I think the notion of, well, the possibility of, of the clearances being restored is, uh, you know, that's kind of a, a red herring. Okay. Red herrings, he would know something about red herrings, wouldn't he? He lies to the American people under oath. He retains his job. Look at the miscreants and malcontents that Obama put around him, these, these individuals, and compare them to the people Trump has put around. And Obama's talked about like this great manager, this great president. Look at the people he had around him. A disgrace. At the CIA, Brennan, National Security Director, National Director of Intelligence, whatever. Clapper. Susan Rice, National Security Advisor. State Department, one doofus after another. Hillary Clinton, and then, of course, uh, John F. Student uh, Curry. Just look. They're, 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 not, they're not even close to comparable. 
This is a battle worth fighting. It gets this whole Amorosa thing off TV. She's a buffoon. Uh, the media are buffoonish. They keep pressing this stuff. Gets it all off, you know. I'm surprised they haven't figured out how to call Trump a racist through all this. Matter of fact, Mr. Producer, I think every one of these people is white. They're all white, aren't they? I think they are. Let's see here. Clapper, white. Brennan, white. Comey, white. Stroke, white. Uh, yeah, they're all white. Uh, so they can't accuse him of being a racist in this regard anyway. I know they want to, but they can't. So this is not a First Amendment issue. These people, in some cases, I don't think Brennan should ever have been the CIA director. He was confirmed, however, and he got votes from people that would shock you, who claim to be national security hawks. And uh, now they're whining that, uh, in the case of uh, Brennan anyway, and Clapper coming to his defense, that he should be, I guess he should be able to keep his security clearance in perpetuity. Well, Susan Rice, she's not white. But uh, Comey, Clapper, they're looking at Yates and McCabe and Hayden and Stroke and Page. They are. Overwhelmingly white, is uh, by my estimation. But I am somewhat colorblind. Did you know that, Mr. Bidu? Did I ever tell you that? In more ways than one, I'm actually somewhat colorblind. It's true. So this is not a controversy. This is a good thing. Uh, but the media, the media will consider it very controversial. And they already did. An enemies list. Nixonian says the uh, always uh, uh, logic deficit uh, Mark Warner. Enemies list. Sure, the never Trumpers will jump in on this too. They've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen anything like a former CIA director like John Brennan. Has anybody else? I don't think so. So, uh, these people are not working for the government anymore. They're not working for the government anymore. This isn't complicated. They don't have to have a security clearance in order to do what they're doing. It is a privilege. The President of the United States runs the executive branch. You had a reporter say, you heard him. You know, they're saying this is political. They're all... None of them are Republicans. Comey at least was a Republican. We used to hear that all the time, didn't we, Mr. Producer? Comey, even a Republican like Comey, even a Republican like Mueller, all these Republicans. I heard it over and over and over again. I know it's true because uh, Juan Williams always said this, among others. Oh, he's a Republican. This Comey's a Republican, and he doesn't, even he doesn't like Trump. And that one's a Republican, a Republican. And now they press it. How come there's no Republicans on this list? But there is a Republican on the list. Oh, oops. And uh, isn't he going after his political opponents? Now think about that for a second. The former CIA director, the former this director, that director, these are intelligence. People had intelligence agencies and law enforcement agencies. They're his political opponents. So it's a given that they're his political opponents. Well, why are they ever in these positions to begin with if they're political? Oops, oops, we probably shouldn't have said that either. No, I think uh, President of the United States is exactly the right thing. Nixon's enemy list, you see, ladies and gentlemen. Nixon's enemy list is Mark Warner, the buffoonish, uh, Tourette's-ridden uh, Mark Warner. 
Now, of course, Mark Warner has some answering to do, regardless of what Marco Rubio says. Uh, his contacts with a Russian oligarch. I'm sure he'll be uh, he'll be investigated for that, won't he, Mr. Producer? Uh, his back messaging. Oh, you don't remember that, do you? Oh, yeah. The same oligarch that uh, Christopher Steele was promoting to get a visa, who Bruce Orr was helping. Yeah. Alan, Delta, Colorado, the great KNZZ. Go. Uh, I think the, we're missing a bit of a point here. Uh, I'm a Tonkin Gulf Yacht Club member, so I go back to 1968 when I had was granted a security clearance. Now, it was only a confidential level because I was had access to nuclear information, nuclear power information, power for the ship, of course. So it was a low, very low level. But we learned from the very beginning that the, any kind of a clearance, no matter what it was, was based on a need to know. Now, I don't understand why Brennan, Comey, Clapper at all, I don't, I don't understand why they have any need to know at this point. And that should be the argument. It's a great point. It's a very good point. And in their cases, they shouldn't know because they're irresponsible, don't you think? I would agree with you very much. But the, the basic need to know in their positions, their previous positions, yes, they did need to know. Uh, we could argue about whether they should have been in those positions. We could argue that on and on. But now that they are, have left the government, the, it has nothing to do with the First Amendment. And why should they have access to that information anyway? I mean, Mr. Brennan is going to do nothing but share with CNN publicly. And so all the more reason to withdraw, to revoke whatever the terminology is, uh, his, uh, his, his security clearance. Excellent point. I agree with you completely. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So I was watching this this discussion on our favorite cable station during the break, and the Washington Post, I believe, former Associated Press reporter said, well, you know, Look at Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn retained his security clearance, and he was involved in the Trump campaign, you know. Lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. Nobody yanked his security clearance. Well, let me tell you the difference. And it was obvious to me as soon as she said it. Michael Flynn was involved in the Trump campaign as a national security advisor, and everybody knew should Trump get elected, he would become likely a top advisor, perhaps the national security advisor to the President of the United States. Brennan has left the government. He's not a national security advisor to any president, any incoming president, not even any campaign that I'm aware of. There's a huge distinction. In addition... Brennan, and I'm not saying this is the basis for yanking the security clearance, I'm just dealing with the illogical point and showing the distinction. Brennan's attacking a sitting president of the United States. Lock her up, lock her up. Hillary Clinton is a candidate. She's not the sitting president of the United States. So 
in two respects that come right off the top of my head, that is not a good analogy. And unfortunately, people were bobbing their heads up and down like she made a great point. She made no point whatsoever. You know, summer's almost gone, but not the sunspots, brown spots, and UV damage to your face, neck, and shoulders. Introducing Genesel's brand new sunspot corrector and the 10-day-only summer repair sale. Roseanne from Akron, Ohio says, quote, In just days, I saw a lightning of dark spots on my cheeks. I'm ordering more now. A lightning of her spots. And just like Roseanne, if you click or call right now, you'll get the Genesel sunspot corrector absolutely free. Just for trying Genesel for bags and puffiness today. Finally, see those stubborn sunspots vanish, even the ones you had for years, and those bags and puffiness gone. And for results in less than 12 hours, the Genesel immediate effects is also free. So go to Genesel.com now or call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. And while supplies last, Chamonix's microdermabrasion is also yours free for the first time this year. Keep the great memories from the summer fun, not the wrinkles and inflammation and sunspots. Call 800-SKIN-604 or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com or better yet, 800-SKIN-604. Let's see who else. Oh, by the way, I will be on Hannity tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time on the Fox News Channel. Hannity tonight, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. I'm going to start rolling back slowly uh, some of my appearances on Fox. Continue to do my Sunday show. We'll continue to do Hannity and Fox and Friends from time to time. But I've got to pull back a little bit because I'm working on a book and other things, family matters, like being with my family from time to time. Uh, So uh, I'm not somebody who sits at the edge of my chair waiting for an invitation or seeking an invitation. I do what I do. I do what I do. Let us go to Bill, Portland, Oregon, the great KUFO. Go. Mark, isn't it curious that uh, John Brennan may have more involvement than what we know because uh, Stefan Haldor and Professor Massoud worked for the CIA, not for the FBI, and I don't think they were even ever paid by the FBI. Yet they were. Do we do we know that for a fact? Well, I don't think we know that for a fact. But okay. you know, where were where was uh, Stephen Haldor paid for all these years? I think it was the CIA. What I'm curious is, you know, was this an investigation that John Brennan started and then passed off to the FBI? You know, but this is a very good point you raise, and we don't know. We're admitting we don't know. But this did start off as a quote unquote counterintelligence investigation, right, Bill? Right, and then and why and why and why up. wouldn't the intelligence agencies be involved? Well, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, I guess if it had anything to do with Russia, that's appropriate. But what was curious to me was they got George Papadopoulos over to England before I think they asked him questions, which you know tells me that the CIA didn't want to insert itself into a domestic. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you another point, which is. Brennan reportedly is pushing this dossier on the FBI, right? Right. Well, where did Brennan get the dossier from? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, Bill. And all. Oh, by the way, Bill, all this unmasking that took place, that's on the intelligence side of the ledger, not the FBI side, correct? 
correct, but do we know when that started? We don't know, and that's another area uh, where we get these ambiguities that we've never gotten to the bottom of. Of course, Trey Gowdy was among those in charge of it, which explains why we've never gotten to the bottom of it. All right, Bill, excellent call. We've had a lot of excellent calls. Well, two. We've taken two, and two are excellent. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This had an eerie memory of an enemies list. Uh, these people were being singled out um, to have either their clearance. Ah, shut up, you idiot. That's your senator in, uh, in Virginia, your senior senator, Mark Warner. Hey, to me, give this guy a raincoat and put him on the corner outside in the rain. Hey, to me, uh, this enemies list, Nixon, Watergate, you know. Nixon, what? This is one of the jerks in our political system who's caused this entire Russia collusion, Trump world stuff. He's one of the demagogues and propagandists. And this reminds him of Nixon in the enemies list when the president yanks the security clearance for, for John Brennan, for the kook that is John Brennan. Enemies list? What a buffoon. What a buffoon. Well, ladies and gentlemen, still a lot to get to. Uh, three hours won't be enough, but we'll, we'll keep pressing ahead. Andrew Cuomo, as you know, is among the dumbest people on the planet Earth. And hence the liberals elect him governor in New York. What is with Democrats that elect people like this? So stupid. And, and he can't even hide it. Now, we all love America, don't we? We all think America's great. Even if we have differences with aspects of our government, we love this country. We honor this country. On July 4th, Independence Day, even the government gives the day off to government employees, local, state, and federal. The founding of this nation. We honor our troops. We have Veterans Day. We have Memorial Day. We honor presidents on President's Day. We honor Martin Luther King as a great patriot, civil rights leader. America is a magnificent country. America stood up to Adolf Hitler. To Tojo, to Mussolini. America saved the world twice from tyranny. We have men and women in uniform today in one hellhole after another Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, and God knows where else. Most of us have family members who've served in the military, and many of us have family members who went to war. Some of you, yourselves, did exactly that. When you go to a military cemetery, or any cemetery, 
buried there are men and women who've lost their lives in defense of this country. A country is only as good as its people. When we say America is great, we mean the American people are great. And we've done so many great things. Unless you're a tenured Marxist professor, unless you are a Democrat leading your party in Congress or in your state, unless you are a member of Hollywood earning $20 million a movie while spitting on your country, the vast majority of Americans are very proud of this place. Differences, okay, that's the nature of freedom. But we have politicians, you see, who always want us to be angry, who always want us to be at each other's throats. And unfortunately, the Democrat Party, which has been consumed by the progressive movement's objectives, believes that it cannot gain power, retain power, and expand its power to impose its will on every individual in this country unless it is constantly trashing America. Constantly. Andrew Cuomo did exactly that in New York City. He did it today. I want you to listen to what this man said. He and his family have benefited from this great country. His family fled Italy and came into this country. Andrew Cuomo is governor on his father's name and reputation. Chris Cuomo is on CNN on his father's name and reputation. Neither of these men have earned a damn thing. And yet here in America, like football players, they live in the lap of luxury that other people have created while they trash the country. And that's exactly what they're doing. Now this is the face, the voice, and the reality of the future and current Democrat Party. Cut 12, go. We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. (laughs) We have not reached greatness. We will reach greatness when every American is fully engaged. We will reach greatness. What does that mean? What, What does that mean when every American's fully engaged? Now he realizes what he said, and so now what he has to do is trash the country, which is what the left does. Trash the country. And he's mumbling around, and he'll get to it. Minorities and women, equality, on and on and on. As I've said many times, no person is perfect, no institution is perfect, no country is perfect. But there's some great people and great institutions, and we live in a great country. Go ahead. When discrimination and stereotyping against women, 51% of our population is gone. And every woman... What's with the the Forrest Gump routine, you clown? Haven't we invited this jerk on my show before, Mr. Producer? No go. What is with these cowards on the left? No go. We asked that idiot professor from Harvard to come on the show, didn't we? No Trump administration official should ever serve in academia. Who the hell is this guy? The king of academia? He won't come on the show. 
intellectual pygmies, intellectual lightweights. Go ahead. Potential is realized and unleashed and every woman is making her full contribution. What does that mean? And when do we know that's happened? When do we know that's happened? So America's not great until everybody's fully engaged and every woman has made her full contribution? What does that mean, idiot? Go ahead. That happens, this nation is going to be taken even higher because we have not yet fully liberated the women in this country. Actually, we have. Everybody's been liberated in this country. Everybody is liberated in this country. Everybody is free in this country except those who are in prison. Everybody is free. Every individual is free. They're free to come and go as they wish. And people are coming by the millions. They're not leaving by the millions. They're coming by the millions. And you would think if the Democrat elites so hate the country, they would leave. But they stay to fundamentally transform it. This is a sick man. And yet, what he says is illustrative of the Democrats, isn't it? It's illustrative. So America isn't great because we have not yet fully liberated the women in this country. Oh, yes, we have. Everybody's liberated. Even the intellectually challenged like this dope can rise to the level of governor of New York. I remember when being governor of New York was a big deal. There have been great governors in New York. I remember this. And even before I was born, there were great governors of New York. Not schmucks like this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Stop mulling over what this Andrew Cuomo had to say. I think of the American GI who died at Iwo Jima, who died at Guadalcanal, who died at Guam, who died on D Day, who died at the Battle of the Bulge, and on and on and on. I think of the men who died in the Korean War, almost 50,000. I think of the men who died in the Vietnam War, almost 60,000. I think of the men who died during an eight-year war of independence, the Revolutionary War, who never got to enjoy the outcome of that war. I think of the over 700,000 casualties in the American Civil War. I think of the men and women who died in Iraq, in Afghanistan, Syria, all over the world. 
I think of the men and women who are serving now, many of whom are listening to this program. To hear the governor of one of our largest states say America was never that great. America was never that great. And the media let it pass like gas in the night. Spending more time on Amarosa, who is inconsequential. Spending more time on a porn actress, Stormy Daniels, who is of no consequence whatsoever. Here you have a sitting governor of one of our largest states who wants to be president of the United States with a brother who works at CNN saying America was never that great. Andrew Cuomo has never put his life on the line for anything. Chris Cuomo has never put his life on the line for anything. There are people who've given up careers outside of the military. Families without husbands and wives, fathers and mothers. Going off to war to defend America that was never that great, you know. I am focused on this because this is the mentality of the same men who take a knee at the football game, who pretend to be patriotic and care about this country but worry about social justice. No, they don't. They don't think America was ever that great either. To quote the great Shelby Steele, you are not oppressed anymore. You are free. And you appear to have a problem with freedom. Live your life. Fight the fights. Embrace capitalism and private property rights. You're free. You don't need to protest anymore. You're free. Andrew Cuomo goes on, pretends he represents women until women are fully liberated in this country. America will not be great. And by that he means abortion on demand. Somebody having problem getting an abortion in this country? Really? Who? Where? When? And is that the measure? Or what does he mean? All of us have women in our lives, wives or girlfriends, mothers, grandmothers, aunts and so forth, nieces. We don't need lectures by Andrew Cuomo or any politician about women in this country till they're fully engaged, he says. They don't mean a word of it. Look at the way they treat it and treat Sarah Palin. Michelle Bachman. Or any woman with whom they disagree. Any woman. Look at the former Attorney General of New York, Schneiderman. How he treated women. Were they fully engaged? Look at the accusations against Keith Ellison. Hollywood is silent. The media largely silent. 
the Democrat Party largely silent. We had allegations made against Jim Jordan of not even direct wrongdoing. And we heard about those day in and day out, day in and day out, with no credibility whatsoever. None. None. It's a sad fact that Andrew Cuomo is the voice for many in the Democrat Party and their leadership. His brother the other day defended the Antifa militia. Of course they have the right to use violence. But he used enough squirrely words where he could, of course, pretend that he didn't. But he did. We played it and we unraveled it. Most of the media in this country, if they cover Antifa's violence at all, they do it almost in passing. In passing. In other words, if you do not defend or pretend that Antifa isn't what it is, then you must be a white supremacist. Now, that's not how this works. You can condemn neo-Nazis and the Klan and Antifa. Violence. Marxists, fascists, in the end it's the same, isn't it? It's the same in the end. So Cuomo, we're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. It was never that great. This is a man who never lived in Eastern Europe under the Soviet rule. It's a man who never lived in Russia proper during the Soviet rule. This is a man who's never lived in Red China, North Korea, Iran, 80% of the world, 90% of the world, Cuba, Nicaragua, Bolivia. The list is endless. The list is endless. And he talks like this. Talks like this. He is a disgrace. He disgusts me. He disgusts me. And yet they trapped Donald they trashed Donald Trump. Donald Trump has never said a word like this in his life. He's never uttered words like this. He's never thought words like this. Andrew Cuomo has no respect for the American people. Every creed, race, background, sex, sexual preference. When you condemn America the way he did, you're condemning Americans. That is the American people. I'll be right back. The only constitutional lawyer you can see today for free. No appointment necessary. Just call him at 877-381-3811. Security clearances for people who don't even love America. Now, let me inform the media of something. You're so worried about these people not having their security clearances after they left government. What did they do with their security clearances when they were in government? The Obama cabal of leftists did nothing with their security clearances to stop the Russians from interfering with our election. 
With their security clearances, they did nothing to stop China from stealing our technology. With their security clearances, they did nothing to stop North Korea's nuclear program. And with their security clearances, they armed Iran with $150 billion and provided them with a pathway to nuclear weapons. With their security clearances, they were unmasking American citizens. So rather than talking about what they do without their security clearances, I want to talk about what they've done with their security clearances. How about that, John Carl of ABC News, I mean News, and all the rest of the hypocrites in the media? What about that? Nah, can't talk about that. We have a brand new sponsor, an outstanding sponsor, so I hope you'll listen as I tell you about them. ExpressVPN. Every time you go online, your internet provider and advertising companies can track what you do and sell your personal information. Aren't you sick of that? Plus, the NSA is gobbling up information everywhere. So how can you protect yourself from all these efforts to violate your privacy? Computer experts recommend using a VPN. The software I use, called ExpressVPN, makes it super easy for anyone to stay private online. They're rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. Now, these days, I don't use the Internet without ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN's apps take just minutes to set up. Very easy. And afterwards, run seamlessly in the background of my computer and smartphone. You install the program, then turn on ExpressVPN protection with a single click. That's it. It couldn't be easier. ExpressVPN secures and, not, and, and, and makes anonymous your Internet through data encryption and hiding your IP address. Let me repeat. They secure and make anonymous your Internet through data encryption and hiding your IP address. That means nobody, and I mean nobody, can record or access your online activity. So if you want to protect yourself from hackers, from spy agencies, and your ISP, visit expressvpn.com slash mark. That's expressvpn, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash mark for their special offer. Listen to this. Three months free with a one-year package. Now, I love when we get new sponsors because you get these opportunities, these great discounts. That's expressvpn.com slash mark, and that's VPN for their special offer. Three months free with a one-year package. Don't risk your online data any longer. Don't have people searching you, whether they're advertisers, government uh, agencies, and so forth. Protect yourself. This is what you've been asking for. This is what I've been asking for. This is exactly what we need. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark today. I couldn't be prouder of this sponsor. And it fills a huge void, a huge gap for all of us. And it protects your privacy. ExpressVPN.com slash Mark. Today is the day to jump in. Why would you wait till tomorrow or the next day? 
I mean, this is really cool, don't you think? This is really cool, cutting-edge technology, and I couldn't be prouder and more excited to offer it to you. I really couldn't. And so, as I asked, when these individuals had their security clearances, Brennan, Clapper, McCabe, Comey, Stroke, or Yates, what exactly did they do to prevent the Russians from interfering in our election? Nothing, apparently. Nothing effective. What exactly did they do to confront China from stealing our technology? Apparently nothing. Nothing effective. What exactly did they do to stop North Korea's nuclear program? Nothing. And they used their security clearances to affirmatively assist Iran with getting $150 billion while its economy was dying and provided them with a pathway to nuclear weapons. What else did they do with their security clearances? Well, some of them, at least, were unmasking American citizens. Wow. And of course, they should all keep their security clearances afterwards because it's so important that we consult with them, the current administration, to find out how to handle these issues because they did such a hell of a good job in the first place. Now, this is a joke. These people are a joke. They let down the country. In some cases, quite frankly, they sold out the country. That's right, I said it. And you and I, we're supposed to believe this is a free speech issue. It has nothing to do with free speech. These jackasses are everywhere. They never shut the hell up. They're getting paid to talk. Seminars, think tanks, CNN, MSNBC, Meet the Depressed, Deface the Nation. What's the other one? This week with Stephanie, you know. Oh, they're affecting our... It's just like the media. Hey, uh, they're attacking freedom of the press. No, we're not. You morons, we're attacking you because you're morons. Well, there you have it. All right. There's actually a lot more here. I better start getting to the rest of this stuff or I won't get to everything. I was going to leave this alone, but I'm not going to. We have uh, Chelsea Clinton at a Rise Up for Row event Saturday. Rise up for a Roe v. Wade helped add three and a half trillion dollars to our economy. Well, I don't know about you, but when I think about abortion, I certainly think about adding money to our economy. How bizarre is this? Cut 13, go. Whether you kind of fundamentally care about reproductive rights and access, right? Because again, these By the are way, not she the- sounds exactly like her mother, doesn't she? I'm not attacking. I'm just a, a chip off the old block. Go ahead. Um... If you care about social justice or economic justice, um, agency, you, you have to care about this, right? It is not a disconnected fact to Justice T-shirt of 1973 that American women entering the labor force from 1970 to 2009 added $3.5 to our economy, right? Like the net new entrance of women. That is not disconnected from the fact that Roe became law of the land. So let let me see if I understand this. What she's saying is abortion allowed women the freedom of being in the workforce. This is very cold. Very, very cold. Abortion allowed women the freedom of working in in the workforce, or as Andrew Cuomo might say, to be fully engaged. 
You know, I've never viewed having children this way. Having children is what we do. It's the greatest thing human beings can do. It's the greatest thing that a married couple can do is to have children, your flesh and blood, to nurture them, to watch them grow, to give them a hand when they need help. What the hell is is the other point of being on the face of the earth? A career and all the rest, that's fine, but that's not it. Family is it. Now listen to how she talks about it. But for abortion, of course she's preposterous, but but for abortion, so many women wouldn't be in the workforce and we, we wouldn't have had, what is it, three and a half trillion dollars in our economy. Absolute idiocy. Go ahead. So I think whatever it is that people say they care about, I think you can connect to this issue. Of course, I would hope that they would care about our equal rights and dignity to make our own choices. Um, But if that is not sufficiently persuasive, um, hopefully kind of some of these other arguments that you're hearing expressed so beautifully. Oh, boy. You know, I I love the affectation as if uh, you're so so sharp and intelligent. And you end your, your, your senses on the down low, and then apparently you sound very, very intelligent. Does she sound very, very intelligent to you? She doesn't sound that intelligent to me. And, of course, we got to throw out the phrases equal rights and dignity. See, abortion is about dignity. Of course, not for the baby. It's about death. It's not about equal rights for the baby. It's about death. They steal the words, they abuse the words in order to advance a political agenda. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. But as long as you lower your voice like this, you come across like you actually know what you're talking about. And you have, you're morally superior. And, and since abortion, women have been fully engaged. From 1973 to 2009, you know what? My grandmother... God bless her. My mother's mother. She was an independent small businesswoman. Independent small businesswoman. There was no Roe v. Wade. There weren't all these government programs, and even if there were, she wouldn't have asked for a single damn dime from any of them. It never would have occurred to her to go to some office and fill out paperwork for this, that, or the other. Never would have occurred to her. She was a a small businesswoman. She didn't make a lot of money. She took care of her children. That's it. Her children. Her live flesh and blood. Children. She didn't need Roe v. Wade to enter the workforce. She entered the workforce. Like tens of millions of women are doing today with children. And like ten times that amount did in the past. As if they've invented some new idea, ladies and gentlemen. That women can work. Women have always worked. In the home and outside the home. Women have always worked with children. And they've worked in the home and outside the home. We don't need government to tell us anything. And we don't need liberals to monetize it. Or to lower the end of their sentence. So you think they're so incredibly intelligent. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
president pulled the security clearance of a white man today, and apparently a lot of other white people he's going to pull their clearance, uh, security clearances, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm starting to think he's anti-white. I really am. Uh, by my calculation, I believe they're all Christian. Maybe he's anti-Christian, too. You never know. I'm just being uh, tongue-in-cheek sarcastic because the media are so over-the-top nuts. They're just nuts. Right, Don Lemon? Right, Brian Stelter? Right, Jake Tapper? Who else? Right, the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo? Scarborough? And the list is a very long one. You know, I've had my share of mechanics calling me saying they found something wrong that needs replacing when I've taken my car in for, say, an oil change. The so-called surprise high repair bills, aren't they terrible? Especially when you're not covered by a manufacturer's warranty and you're paying out of your own pocket to fix them. Now, this is why I strongly encourage you to get extended vehicle protection from CarShield. If your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles, CarShield can save you from paying for high repair bills. Replacing your engine or even a simple sensor can cost thousands. And when you're protected by CarShield, you can have your favorite mechanic or dealership fix your car. It's your choice. And they pay directly. CarShield also provides 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection. Get CarShield. Just call their number, 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN. 800-CAR-6100, code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com, use code LEVIN, that's L-E-V-I-N, carshield.com, code LEVIN, and that way, either way, you'll get 10% off. It's a great deal. That's carshield.com or 800-CAR-6100, code LEVIN to save 10%. A deductible may apply. I'm telling you, I have the best sponsors anywhere. We vet them very, very carefully. I speak to them before they come on the air as a sponsor. I purchase the service or product myself or for a family member or even for a friend. I'm telling you, these are great sponsors. And uh, they're sponsors that I think provide products and services that are enormously useful to my audience, to you, my beloved audience. Okay, let us continue, shall we? Shall we move on to the next idiocy? Let us do so, shall we? Joe Scarborough on the Morning Joe Show. As I've told you many, many times, if you've seen the movie Deliverance, there's a little boy on a bridge who plays a banjo. That, as I understand it, is Joe Scarborough as a youngster. Look at the picture of that kid on the bridge and look at Scarborough. So, of course, he would wind at an MSLSD, which is a useless carbon footprint. Here is Joe Scarborough trashing the president again. By the way, as I've said before, and it's true, this is the favorite show of the North Korean generals. Cut 15, go. I've got to say the most troubling part of all of this, about his racism and his bigotry is, Mm -hmm. that just like when his friendships with uh, hip-hop artists and boxers were transactional, 
Now he's friends and apologizes for white nationalists. uh, And and no, 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 he doesn't. You slob, you propagandist, you, you absolute disgusting demagogue. You see, I'm not attacking freedom of the press. I'm attacking a moron. Apologizes for white nationalists and neo-Nazis. Let me ask you something, Scarborough. Do you have any children who are Orthodox Jews? Do you have any grandchildren who are Orthodox Jews? Do you have a son-in-law who's an Orthodox Jew? You clown. The idea that the father of an Orthodox Jew or the father-in-law of an Orthodox Jew or the grandfather of Orthodox Jews finds friendship with neo-Nazis and Klansmen? You don't know a damn thing, you clown. You don't know anything. And you with that Mika Brzezinski, her father Brzezinski. We know all about him and the way he treated Israel and his priorities in the Middle East. What has Trump done? You think the neo-Nazis and the Klan like the fact that he recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel? You think they like the fact that he moved the United States Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? You think they like the fact that he meets with Netanyahu, one of his closest friends, as prime minister? Who are you fooling, you clown? That's why you're on MSNBC. You're a lightweight. You're a mental midget. And you're a nasty, vile human being. That's enough. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody, Mark Levin. Sound like an auctioneer, don't I? Everybody, we have 25, 50. I'm Mark Levin. How are you? Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Don't forget, in an hour and a half, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, I will be on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. You won't want to miss it. I know I can't miss it. I will be sprinting from one bunker to the other. From the radio bunker to our Ronald Reagan studio bunker, where we do our Levin TV program, where we do Life, Liberty, and Levin, and of course our appearances on Fox. It is a magnificent studio. And I'm very excited because in about, what is it, Rich, about 10 minutes or so, I have an unbelievable guest. Unbelievable guest. He's a dear friend. And I cannot wait to reintroduce him to you. He was here about a year, year and a half ago. I'm not telling you yet. But I hope you'll stick with us because he is absolutely terrific. Decent fellow. Then there's Charles Blow. Another loser. Nasty guy. Left-wing kook. And he, uh, he writes columns uh, now and then for the New York Slimes. And he was on CNN today. And hat tip Breitbart. Listen to what this man has to say about you, as well as the president. Cut 17, go. 
We would be insane if we weren't doing that. We, we, we would be insane if we kept questioning and saying this is a matter of opinion of whether he's a racist or not. No, it's not. That's, that's, that's deductive reasoning. He is. He is. And, and, and people have basically cooked that into the books. I think that if you found... Now, let's just of- stop a second. Uh, Charles Blow, I don't know you. You don't know me. I barely know what you do. Donald Trump is, what, 72, 73, 71 years old. I don't know. He has employed, during the course of his life, what, 50,000, 100,000 people, directly and indirectly, maybe more? I don't believe he's ever cared what race they are. All these businesses he's run. Construction. So many minorities he's hired. So many people of all races who've benefited when he's benefited because that's the nature of capitalism. A developer. He hires electricians and plumbers. People who who lay bricks. People who pour cement. People who, who make kitchens. People who make the things that are in kitchens. The tile work. Hardwood floors. Faucets. Insulation. Roofing. Every trade you can think of. The truckers who bring the material. Men and women, all walks of life. All races. Because that's the nature of capitalism. And that's the nature of a developer and a man who's involved in construction. All these decades. And we are supposed to believe that he's a racist because some guy named Charles Blow, who hasn't built a damn thing in his entire life, says so. We're to believe that he is in cahoots with white nationalists and neo-Nazis because Joe Scarborough, the whitest man on the planet, I might add, he's even translucent, says so. They know nothing about Donald Trump. They know nothing about Donald Trump. Zero. They have no evidence whatsoever that this man is a racist. Let alone sympathetic to neo-Nazis and Klansmen and white nationalists. They use this word racism as a, as a cudgel to cut off debate, to cut off reasoning and thinking, to appeal to the lowest form of politics? This man has hired more minorities than all of his critics combined. I mean, even look at the morning schmo show. Two white people. Two white people. Look at most of the anchors. On CNN. Most of the anchors on MSNBC. When you look in the, uh, in the press, the press gaggle that's there every day when they hold their press conference, when uh, Sanders does, vast majority of them are white. By the way, I'm not into this uh, quota stuff. I'm just pointing something out. I'm pointing something out. Brian Stelter, white. Wolf Blitzer, white. Jake Tapper, white. Rachel Maddow, white. Lawrence O'Donnell, 
white. Chris Matthews, white. Oh, I'm sorry, but they are. And the people who attack him. Now, Charles Blow is African-American. But he has no idea who Donald Trump is. None whatsoever. He's got resorts. He's got country clubs. He's got this. He's got that. He's built this skyscraper, that skyscraper. All kinds of people working for Donald Trump and his family. All walks of life. That he has put to work productively who earn a paycheck, who pay taxes, who contribute to Social Security and Medicare. He's no bigot. He's no racist. The people who call him that, they are the bigots, and they are the racists. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Dearest friends, I have a handful, and that's it, is named John Highbush. He is the executive director of the Reagan Library Foundation. He's been a very close friend of mine for a very long time, and for a reason. He's a man of unparalleled integrity and wisdom and judgment. He's enormously intelligent. He has ensured that the Reagan Library is among the finest institutions on the planet which is why I so enjoy going there and especially enjoy going there when my books come out to meet so many of you. And now he has his second novel that has come out and he has become a top novelist and it's called The Second Coming. It's a great thriller. John Highbush, how are you, my friend? I am great, Mark. You're just way too kind and it's so just great to hear your voice today. But it is really, really true. as What you do for the Republic, how you ensure that... Uh, that our president, Ronald Reagan, that his legacy endures. It is crucially, crucially important. Now, the book is The Second Coming. It's your second novel. I want to stay focused on this one, though. What is it about, generally? You know, Mark, uh, I don't know if it'll happen in your or my lifetime, but, uh, you know, there's a couple dozen animals on this planet that have been cloned. Eventually, someone with enough money and enough craziness is going to get around to cloning a human being. And when that happens, this world's going to change. This book is all about not only what happens when someone figures out how to clone a human being, but what happens if someone were to get a little piece of DNA, a little piece of speck of blood off of the famous Shroud of Turin, which is the burial cloth, which many millions of people feel is the burial cloth of Jesus Christ. So think about, Mark, a scientific kind of second coming. And that's what this book is all about. It's about how the world would change if science brought about a second coming. It's a fiction novel. You know, it's, it's not real life. But sometimes uh, fiction turns into real life, and that's what this book is about. But it's a fascinating journey you take us on, and that's really what fiction is about, right? I mean... Um, uh, you you write about the possibilities that are out there, people's imaginations. How did, how did you come up with this idea? You know, Mark, when uh, I had the chance to uh, used to run a big foundation, we did a lot of historical exploration. We studied mysteries, and one of the last great American mysteries is the whereabouts of Amelia Earhart. What happened to her back in the 1930s when she got lost somewhere in the Pacific? And I went out on an adventure to try to find her airplane, and I was on the ocean for two months out in the lonely South Pacific. 
had a lot of time on my hands, and I, I thought back to when I was back in Catholic school, and uh, and I saw a documentary about this famous route of Turin, and so I had time on my hands, and I, I came up with this novel called The Second Coming, and uh, uh, it's just out published yesterday. Mark, you're the first, first, and and best, I think, uh, interview that uh, that I'm having about the book, and I'm just honored to be on your show to talk about it. Well, it's a great honor for me, and I just want the millions of listeners to know what a compelling book this is. It's particularly good this summer as we come to a close around the pool, around the beach, wherever people are in the mountains and so forth, to enjoy it. It's in many ways, it's it's a very thought-provoking book. It's a scary book, and yet it is enormously entertaining. Is that why we call books like this a thriller? Yeah, it, it is, Mark. You know, I, I, there's not a day that goes by where I'm not driving home and listening to your show, and you have so many great authors on. And I think, as you know, 99, almost 100% of them write terrific, conservative, thought-provoking books. And, and we've got so many here at the Reagan Library that are about Reagan and other great conservative authors. But as you just as you say, you know, every once in a while, you like try to take a little break from life and mm-hmm. and uh, and and explore with your imagination, um, you know, novels like this. And and the Second Coming hopefully will be one like that for America. It's a, it was a lot of fun to write. I hope readers have as much fun reading it as I did writing it. And um, let me ask you this: the, the the central theme here on this cloning issue, human cloning, is that something you support? No, not at all. I, I just I think it could just turn humanity upside down. I, I it's not something I could ever support. But uh, you know, interestingly enough, Mark, it's not outlawed in the United States. I mean, we've kind of morally outlawed it, right? I mean, you know, we think it would just be an incredibly terrible thing to have happen. Um, but um, interestingly enough, it's 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 not legal in several states, but the United States government has never outlawed it, and. There are some countries in this world where uh, they, they, um, it's thought to be uh, people are on the edge of, of trying to make it happen. And uh, if it does happen, it'll be a tragedy. But I, I honestly think it's something that could happen someday. You know, you say in the acknowledgments section of your book that you thank several doctors uh, whom you noted helped to save your life. You want to expand on that briefly? Yeah, Mark, you know, uh, it's a really, really strange coincidence. But when I was writing The Second Coming, one of my characters um, is a character who's a priest, and he finds out tragically that he has a terrible form of incurable cancer. And I remember researching it, Mark, and uh, I looked up, you know, what are the five worst cancers that someone might get that might be, you know, it's just not retrievable. You're going to pass away. And... uh, and I, I came to find in the middle of writing my own book that I didn't know it, but I, I had one of those cancers. <laughs> and uh, this was discovered about, oh, just about five years ago, Mark. And uh, by some incredible stroke of miracle and some of the best doctors on this world, here I sit still talking to you. I, I had one of those cancers, and uh, I've, I'm now just over one year cancer-free. So... <laughs> Uh, you know, by the grace of God, go I, right? And uh, But I was able to finish the novel, you know, even knowing that. I, I felt kind of like I, the, the novel was about halfway done, and I thought, well, if I'm not going to be around, let's at least have this book uh, left behind, and, and that's what it's called, The Second Coming. In some respects, Mark, I think maybe I was given a second chance. And I know you've been fighting this uh, esophageal cancer now. How many years has it been, John? 
Five years. Five years. So I've been through treatments for four years and, and cancer-free now for just over a year. And uh, and uh, uh, it's just uh, every day is a gift, Mark. Uh, that's When something like that happens to you, that's just how you feel about life. And you have a beautiful family. Tell us about your family. Oh, my beautiful <laughs> my wife, Marcella. She's yeah, just a, a gift. She's just a gift. She's helped bring me, you know, keep me around, and my two beautiful kids, Max and Jordana. And uh, they're the, as you know, Mark. You've got a wonderful family. They're the, your reasons for living, right? And uh, they're they're what have kept me around. All right, we're going to get into this book a little bit more because it is a very very compelling fiction. That is The Second Coming, a thriller by John Highbush, who is the executive director of the Reagan Library and Foundation. We'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now. 877-381-3811. Would you pay your hard-earned money to join an organization that fought tooth and nail for government-run health care? How about an organization that scripted portions of White House speeches behind closed doors to ensure the passage of Obamacare? Or an organization that stood against tax cuts for middle-class Americans and small business owners? Would you join an organization like that? Well, no. Then don't join the AARP. Join AMAC, the conservative alternative instead. AMAC offers an alternative to just about every benefit the AARP offers, but without the liberal agenda. Become an AMAC member right now at AMAC.us. I'm a member. Wouldn't you rather belong to an organization that fights for your values, like protecting our borders, enforcing our immigration laws, supporting small business, standing up for your individual God-given freedoms? AMAC is the way to go. There's a ton of work to be done, and AMAC is asking that you help them fight the good fight By becoming a member today, you'll also get the tremendous discounts and benefits. So the great cause and the great discounts and benefits all in one. Join right now at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. AMAC is better, better for you, and better for America. I'm with the great John Highbush, novelist, as well as executive director of the Reagan Library and Foundation. Is a tremendous hit out right now. The fiction, the novel... The Second Coming, which is a thriller. I want to ask you a couple of questions, uh, further questions. Um, this is a sequel to your first book, The Shroud Conspiracy. Uh, but it's about what happens when some very unsavory characters use science and DNA and human cloning in order to bring about a second coming of Jesus, right? That's right. And to gain power for their cult and dominate the world with their faith. It's what occurs when science is used on one hand to destroy Christianity and on the other hand to save it. And in the end, it's about bad people who use science to subvert faith, about good people who use science to save it. Does that sum it up pretty well? Yeah, it does, Mark. It it really does. It's... uh if this sounds a little bit like the Da Vinci Code or, or Angels and Demons, you know, written by that fellow Dan Brown, it's because it, this book fits right in that category, Mark. It's, it, it really is a, a religious thriller that uh, you, your readers, if they've got some spare time on their, their – your listeners, if they've got some spare time on their hands, they, they really might find a, a, a fun read. And yet it's quite unique. Um, in fact, Gary Sinise, who's a dear friend of yours and a dear friend of mine, he said – they ought to make a movie out of this. That's how impressed he was with it. Brad Thor, who is a well-known great fiction writer, uh, he's called it electrifying thriller. 
Then he says it delivers cover to cover. These people are not, uh, shall I say, liberal with their praise in books, potential movies, and so forth. What do you think it is about your book that is so compelling? You know, Mark, let's start with the fact that um, there's not a lot of conservative authors out there that uh, that put out fiction and thrillers like this. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably you know one of just a handful. So, uh, my day job. I run the Reagan Library. I, I just do the best I can to keep President Reagan's memory alive and to, you know, maybe make sure there's a tribute to his legacy. But, you know, I'm, you know, I guess you might say uh, moonlighting my night job is I, I write novels uh, in my other part of my career, and and uh, this one, um, it's got everything from miracles to science and faith. It's a love story, you know. It's good versus evil. It's uh, you know, and you can find it at Barnes and Noble, and you can find it in Amazon, and uh, it's out there today. It, hopefully, like the first book, it's going to be another runaway bestseller. Well, we've linked to it on Mark Levin Show Facebook and Mark Levin Show Twitter. People can go directly to Amazon.com, and also every major bookstore, even minor bookstores, have it. The Second Coming of Thriller. Let me ask you this: How did you become? Just give me a brief explanation for the audience how did you wind up becoming the executive director of the reagan library and your relationship with nancy reagan and the reagan family good question mark you know i i uh, right out of college first day on the job when i worked on capitol hill i ran over from the capitol the u.s capitol and watched president ronald reagan raise his right hand and take the oath of office i mean what a thrill my last day working on Capitol Hill eight years later, I watched that helicopter, Marine One, with Ronald Reagan circle the city. And I, I, those eight years affected me like nothing else. It, it set me on a path to want to do whatever I can to help this country. And, um, you know, I guess it showed because I had several jobs since then. And I, I did pretty well um, in some of these jobs. And I was sitting on a beach one day, and I got a phone call from Nancy Reagan. <laughs> And wow. She said, yeah, she said, John, you know, look, um, Ronnie's passed now, and I'm here trying to uh, get the President Reagan's foundation uh, to take it to the next level. Can you come up and help me? And I, I packed up my family stuff. We moved to Los Angeles, uh, and eight years later, here I am talking to you, Mark. It's been the honor of my life to run President Reagan's foundation, to run his library, and it's the best decision I ever made. And you worked very closely with uh, Mrs. Reagan, didn't you? Oh, yeah, for years until she passed just a couple of years ago. And as we, as we speak, Mark, I'm, re- I'm looking out at the great Pacific Ocean and across mm. the mountain range, that famous range that where President Reagan, his, uh, his gravesite, I can see it from here. He and Mrs. Reagan lie at rest here at the Reagan Library. It's, a, it's an awe-inspiring place to come to work every day. Are you going to be doing some book signings? I am. In fact, I uh, I just did one last night when we launched the book here at the Reagan Library, but I'll be doing one in Washington, D.C. on separate September 12th when I'm back there, Mark. Hopefully I can see you, and uh, um, so I'm arranging one in New York. And well, now, hold on now. You're going to do one in Washington on September 12th. What time, what place? Uh, it's called the O Street Mansion is the place where it's happening. It's at 2020 O Street Northwest in Washington, D.C., and uh, uh, that's on September 12th at 6 p.m. 
uh, in the nation's capital. If you want to go, you can just go to their website and, and register to come. And we'd love to have anyone there who wants to uh, be there for a book signing. And, uh, you know, if somebody wants a signed book and they can't make it there, they can just go to the Reagan Foundation's website and, and uh, buy a book there, and I'm happy to sign it and send it to them directly. All right, so give us, Mr. Producer, let's put that link up on my social sites. What is the exact uh, link? If they just go to reaganfoundation.org slash store, they'll see the book right there, and all they need to do is click on it and, and buy it, and I'm happy to sign and personalize and send it out directly. Reagan, give, it, give us that again. reaganfoundation.org. Dot org or reaganlibrary.com, but just make you put, uh, put slash store after that, and my book will pop right on up called The Second so you, Coming. You get into the store, there's the uh, Second Coming, your book, and if they buy it through this program now, you will sign it, correct? That's right. I'll sign and personalize and send it right on out. Well, that's very, very exciting. So uh, let me ask you this. Uh, how long did it take you to write The Second oh. Coming? Um, the draft market took me six months to write it. Um, as I was telling you, halfway through, um, I discovered I had a, a really tough disease. And uh, uh, so I just kept plowing away at it, though. So it took six months, and I think it took about another six months after that to polish it up. And I did it while I was sitting there hooked up to the chemotherapy machines and, uh, you know, <laughs> um, so, you know, I, um, like I said, I, I think I got a second chance in life. And in some respects, that's the reason the book's called The Second Coming. You know, John, uh, these major publishers, they don't just take anybody off the street uh, and give them a contract to write a fiction book. They get thousands and thousands of people sending them manuscripts or outlines of fiction books that they want to write. And yet you're one of a tiny percentage of people this major publisher decided to choose. Major publisher of major authors and major books. I mean, that's pretty compelling, isn't it? Yeah, you know, Mark, when you say it like that, it sounds kind of impressive, doesn't it? It is impressive. <laughs> well, it's Simon & Schuster. They're a great company, and I'm just, I'm just honored. I'm, I'm a little humble about it, but I'm, I'm just honored they'd find me and and think that I've got uh, the, writing, the writing ability to keep people interested. And uh, I think I do. I just I do the best I can, and, and hopefully people will like reading it. And, and, and the thing is, it's not like you have a major radio audience or something like that. Um, you know, you have to rely on other people to, uh, to, to come on their shows and to talk about it and so forth. So your book stands on its own. That's how compelling it is. And I want to strongly encourage people. To, to get their copy tonight, The Second Coming, this thriller by my dear friend John Highbush. You can go to the Reagan site and get it signed. You know, uh, that's Reagan Library, I think you said dot com, correct? That's right, ReaganLibrary.com slash store. And you can buy the book there and get it personalized, or you can go to Amazon.com or pick it up in any Barnes & Noble across the country. So let's put that Reagan site up there too, Mr. Producer. P people want to say So folks, you can get it now. My recommendation, I'm well aware of how these major publishers, including mine, work. They print a limited number of first edition books up front. And then they do successive printings, and they will with John, because John is a big author. They, and then they do successive printings. Second, third, fourth edition. You want the first edition. And 
frankly, and this is going to be uh, tough on John, you want the first edition signed. So I strongly encourage you to do it. Now, it would be a great gift, but more than that, I know you're going to like this book. I don't read a lot of fiction. I read John's books and a few others. The Second Coming, a thriller by John Highbush. Go to ReaganLibrary.com. Go to their store. Go there now. Get the first edition before they run out of the first edition. Get it signed. That's my recommendation. Great gift, even though here we are in August. It's great for Christmas and Hanukkah. But more than that, it's a great read during the summer. So go ahead and go out there and grab a copy of the book. And by the way, you can Google John's name and see all of his accomplishments over the years. John Highbush, H-E-U-B-U-S-C-H, John Highbush. And if you're out and about and you're within 1,000 miles of the Reagan Library, I cannot stress enough, you really need to go there. There was a wonderful piece by Quinn Hillier. I believe it was at National Review or somewhere today. He sent me a link about his visit to the Reagan Library last week, and he could not praise it enough. It is that compelling. And it really is, John. You got you and your team, really, you've done a marvelous job, and you deserve all the credit in the world. And on top of that, you're writing uh, these magnificent fiction novels. So God bless you, my friend, and, and the best of luck. And I know my audience is going to be extremely interested in this book. Uh, Mark, I cannot thank you enough. You're just a dear friend, and uh, you have the best audience in the world. So I'm just so happy I was able to talk to him about this book, The Second. Well, but, John, the book speaks for itself. If people will get it, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You take care of yourself, my brother. You do the same, my brother. Take care. All right. God bless. Folks, I'm not kidding. I'm telling you, particularly those of you who like to read fiction, And some of us who don't read a lot of fiction, you're really going to like this book, The Second Coming, a thriller by John Highbush. I don't have a lot of novelists on this show, but whenever John has a book, I do. And Gary Sinise is right. This would make a terrific movie. And Brad Thor is right. This is an outstanding novel. I strongly encourage it. Go to my social sites. The links are all there. And I strongly encourage you to get the first edition. And if you can, get it signed. He just offered to sign it. So I would encourage you to go to their link at the Reagan Library, get a copy, and get it signed. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you love freedom. Now, how do I know that? Because you're listening to this show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom in the form of government that secures it for us. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts college in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale's committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. They teach their stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science, music, economics, business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 3.8 million Americans receive it for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, you should be reading it too. Now you can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations Make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. 
That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Again, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. That's in about 35 minutes. I will be on Hannity TV on the Fox News channel. You won't want to miss it. That would be, of course, 6 p.m. That is 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. Again, also, the second coming, a thriller you just heard from the great John Highbush, the executive director of the Reagan Library and Foundation, who also happens to be one of the top novelists in the country, and a conservative. They're few and far between. Um, You can get his book, his first edition, signed by going to reaganlibrary.com. Go to the store. It's right there, and you can order it. It's a first printing. What happens with books, like my books, there's a first printing, second printing, third, fourth, so forth, and so on. When an author is popular, when they're a New York Times bestselling author, as John Highbush is. So you want to try and secure the first edition and try and get it signed, which he just offered on this program, exclusive to us, if you go on there and order it right away. And I want to encourage you to do that. Well, we've covered a lot today, haven't we? Yes, we've covered a lot today. And it'll be this way every day, I'm afraid, because that's the nature of the phony media and our culture right now. Let us go to Richard, Louisville, Kentucky. Quickly, XM Satellite, go. Hey, Mark, glad to finally get to talk with you. You got things it. Real quick, one, one is why doesn't Trump just uh, make an executive order that anybody leading in federal service loses their security clearance? That because they may need some people to help them who have security clearances. That's why. Well, then he can do it on a case-by-case basis, whether they keep it. Um. Second thing, real quick, because I know you're short on time. My wife asked me a question the other day. I couldn't answer for her. Maybe you can. All right. The dossier is the dossier is on Trump. They used it to spy on Carter Page. How did that work? Because it's two different people. Well, they get a dossier on Carter Page, and there may be related matters too. We've never really seen the 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 entire application, and then uh, just like with the Mueller investigation, uh, they can claim that one thing leads to another. And it did. Remember, they had a spy in the uh, in the Trump campaign, too. So you use a pretext. Oh, Carter Page, who has a minimal connection to the campaign. The president didn't even know who he was. Uh, and then uh, they start that process uh, and uh, work their way through. OK, thank you. you. See what I'm saying? Yes, sir. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. Let's see. Who else do we have? How much time do I have, Rich? Okay, we don't have a lot of time. Let us go to uh, Lou in La Puenta, California, 870 The Answer. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark, I have three words for our media. They are inept, lazy, and narrow-minded that they cannot do their own research. You see, they have to rely on leakers. Say that again. I didn't hear what you said. What was your last point? Our, Our media today are inept. Yeah. and lazy to do their own research. Yeah. And so they have to depend on the leakers. I think it's worse than that. I think they're driven by ideology, and they want to drive this president out of office. So whether they're lazy or not, that's the drumbeat. And it's almost every network, and it's almost every day. They all sound alike. They all act alike. They use the same words, the same allegations. Thank you for your call, my friend. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Now, I'm going to sprint out of here. Check us out in 30 minutes on the Fox News channel, Hannity, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, live, 6.30 p.m.
Pacific. See you then. God bless. <laughs>